All right, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. And as always, go and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and smash the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and a great review. And while you're over on Spotify, make sure you follow us on that, and we will keep bringing you new episodes of MNR each and every week. All right, moving into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ryan, what you got this week? All right. Um, I had a pretty good week. Um, I actually fresh off hanging out with my nieces on my side in the pool. That was pretty fun. Uh, it's always good to go hang out with them. I'm happy to be out and about and hanging out with family, but my good for this week, uh, been a little bit away from the TV this week, a little more busy. I turned it on today and I found out that the little league world series is on. And what I forgot is how much I love little league world series intros. Um, when the kids come out and they get to talk about themselves in 2018, we had uh, Alfred Delia. I looked him up. Uh, please Google this kid if you haven't heard about this. He comes out and he goes, "My name's Alfred, and I hit dingers," and like it went viral on the internet. And fast forward to 2021. Apparently, we have Davin Ritter. You can Google these people; they're little kids. Uh, he shouted out his girlfriend. Uh, I believe he's from Oklahoma. He said, "I just want to shout out my girlfriend." You know who you are, and then he winked. <laughs> incredibly intelligent move by this kid. Incredibly intelligent. Everyone in Oklahoma is now in the game all of a sudden with this kid. And then, of course, uh, Tyler Simon from uh, Rhode Island wanted to remind everyone that he got, quote, mad chicks. And everybody in the background <laughs> in the dugout whistled. So uh, <laughs> um, the other thing I'll point out about that is, uh, fun fact, the team from Nolensville, Tennessee, won the Southeastern region happens to be Nolensville, Tennessee happens to be the town you drive between when you go want to go from Smyrna or Laverne to the uh, Whole Foods in Franklin for some decent food. <laughs> so Nolensville, Tennessee, that little tiny podunk town I used to drive through all the time. I'm happy for them that their Little League team made it all the way to the Little League World Series. It's pretty cool. Um, my bad. Uh, you'll hear about it a little bit later, but the Olympics are over. I, I take a lot of crap on this podcast. So people are like, why does he care so much? I figured I'd let people know, like my family is obsessed with the Olympics. So, uh, they've gone to the Olympics a bunch of different times. Um, it, it, Salt Lake city, Vancouver, London, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, I got to go to the Olympics in 1996. So that's why I care. So I was upset that it was over. Um, I don't know why families have weird traditions and things and stuff like that. So, um, I wasn't there for the bombing, uh, in the 96 Olympics, but my mom and sister were in the park. So, all sorts of weird stuff that's connected to the Olympics. So I get upset or not upset, but I'm annoyed, I guess, when it's over and I like watching it. And Logan, I kid you not to go back to the Little League World Series. The North Carolina Little League World Series team was kicked out of the Little League World, World Series due to a positive COVID test. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of bad juju you put on the entire state of and the entire all all of the baseball teams in the state at this point in time. But <laughs> so <laughs> your NC week, State. Go ahead. So next week we're gonna have the Little League World Series screw job episode. Exactly. <laughs> Be ready for it, folks. So that's that's my good, bad, and ugly, mostly revolving around the Little League World Series. <laughs> you, you said that team's from Greenville. Greenville, North Carolina. To yeah, be fair, they, they lost always, two games. <laughs> they're always good in baseball. We yep. used to play them. Um, cause we would play, they're in like our region and wow. we would, even when we would have decent teams, it was, they, those guys play year round baseball and that's all they do. They're good. They, they're always good. Yeah. Except you're, when you're they right. Have COVID. 
you're right about that because when I remember like the our 15 year old year playing states, we won districts pretty easily, and then you know we were we beat the crap out of everyone um, going into the state championship finals, and then Greenville beats us two games in a row, and we get eliminated. <laughs> Only team we didn't beat. Well, uh, Dustin's right. Greenville's good. Maybe that gives you a little, I don't know, feel good moment. Yeah, take that, 12-year-olds. <laughs> weren't even born when I was playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they were barely born when I was playing. So, <laughs> All right, Morgan, good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, man? Oh, I see. I got a good, great, and awesome today. So good. Finally, today I'm going to get some more uh, part-time help at my job, which is going to make life even more easier for me. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, great. Bridget is pulling herself up almost and holding on to things and standing up. That makes two. <laughs> yeah. So that's just one more, one more day close to two kids running around. <laughs> you sure that's and good? <laughs> you heard my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. And my awesome, um, both my kids are getting baptized this weekend. Hey. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're excited about that. Very cool, man. Awesome. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you, that's, man. That's a cool moment. It really is. Is that in your hometown? Yep. Okay. Even better. All right, Dustin, good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, sure. Good. Uh, our, our buddy Chris, who we know uh, is a bit been a real loyal listener, went and saw him last weekend. Uh, me and Jenny and Emmy hang out with his family. Had a great time playing outside, you know, eating good food, just enjoying each other's company. His kids loving hanging out with uh, with Emmy. Like it was just a good time. I, I, and it was a good way to start the, the weekend and like kind of set my week. I, I really haven't had anything bad. I'd say another good was Emmy went to uh, her friend August's birthday party, which was fun. Those two or three weeks apart. Um, so we've been, you know, hanging out a lot and she's buddies with him. And it was, it was fun for her to kind of start doing the birthday circuit. Um, also, they had uh, Old Tuffy Beer at this birthday party, as I told Logan. So, hey. little Wolfpack action going on. Tastes like seven um, five, baby. <laughs> it's, like I said, not really anything bad. If I had to pick a bad, it's Emmy's got several teeth coming in, but Oof. she's she's been pretty good, and she's been pretty. She's just a good kid. I, I have very few complaints about her, but you know, you feel bad for her as she's gnawing on things because. Mm-hmm teeth are cutting through her mouth so anyway that was my good good and i guess sort of bad for the week all right yeah so. uh, is she waking up in the middle of the night crying no she's she still sleeps pretty good the only time she's been bad she's been one to wake up is when um like she's actually legitimately like i have a fever and i'm sick oh yeah all right, so I guess that leaves me. Um, so for the good, um, I you know Tampa trip was a success, a lot of fun down there. Um, we had a good time. We got to tour the Buck Stadium, which was a blast. 
saw the the USF locker room, um, which is a glorified high school locker room. Kind of sucks. Um, but the, they wouldn't take us to the Bucks locker room because they said it was 15,000 square feet and cost too much money to take people like us in there. Don't know what that meant, but they were probably right. The Then, like, we took a boat out on the river, saw downtown uh, Tampa, saw Derek Jeter's old house. That was a blast just hanging out out there. So, like I said, Tampa was a success. It was a fun trip. Um, the second good, Mike and Moonpies released a new uh, record this past week, and they did it on Tuesday, the traditional pre-2015 release date for music. Um, the, in 2015, they changed it to Fridays due to streaming, but they released it on Tuesday. It's called One to Grow On. And Mike and the Moon Pies has been consistently one of the best bands in the Texas scene over the last like five to 10 years. And this one is an absolute like awesome record. Nine songs, not too many, not too uh, short of a record. And there is not any filler here. So I highly recommend that. Now that brings me to my bad. Also in the music area, Mr. Billy Currington released another record. God, I wish he didn't because <laughs> this one's called Intuition. And so Billy Currington is a guy who used to sing about, you know, Mama Sweet Tea and Turnip Greens and used General to put out Brown. drinking beer. He drank pretty good at drinking beer and, you know, people were crazy. And, and then his really, really good song, A Walk a Little Straighter. Fast forward to 2021, you have a C-level um, mainstream star in quotations who's 47 years old trying to hang on to relevancy so what does he does he makes a watered down version of sam hunt style music with edm beats and and it is absolutely awful the record's called intuition i went through it once um just for the purposes of country and coke cans i'm gonna torture myself and have to listen to it again so i can do a proper rant on that show but billy what are you doing like just just ride off gracefully into the sun release music that fits your age and your style this record is a shit show. Um, two thumbs down. Intuition. Unless you want to laugh, don't waste your time listening to it because it's awful. But that's my bad for the week. So that sucks to hear. Yeah, it, it was really bad. I was like, I I had read on Twitter they were like, "What is Billy doing?" And then I listened to it. I was like, "Good gosh, what is it? What was he thinking?" But you know, it happens to the best of us. All right, moving into the weekend. Look ahead, Ryan. Can I can I tie your good and your bad together? Yeah. So you want, so you wanted to go toward the locker room of the forty-seven-year-old Tom Brady, but you think that Billy Currington should ride off into the sunset? Well, Tom Brady's still still getting it done. He's the goat for a reason. Billy Currington, I mean, come on, man, it's about time to hang it up. <laughs> Tommy's TB twelve still getting it done in Tampa. Figured I'd ask. <laughs> All right, you want me to do weekend look ahead? All right, I'll roll through this real quick. We do have an Olympics update. I wasted everyone's time apparently with this because I'm, I think, the only one that cares about it. But I went through and I tallied up all the Southern medals, and I'm glad that I did because there's a reason. First of all, I know we had some complaints last week about how Google managed their, uh, their situation. Well, we took care of that as a country. U.S. had the most gold medals, 39, and the most overall with 113. So we uh, finished atop the leaderboard in all of the different categories. So I, I so hope you're... So you're saying that now Google, even Google can't hold us down. That is correct. I would also, I have a, a bullet point just for the North Carolina brothers here that I'd like to point out on the air, which is that China had 25 less. Okay. 25 <laughs> less. So red, red, white, and blue. These colors don't run brother. The oh, South yeah, brother. had, the South had a hundred total medals in case you weren't keeping track at home. The U S won 113 total and the South won a hundred of those. I double-checked my math on this before I said it on the air. That means that we won 88% of the medals won, 
uh, <laughs> from the Southern States. So I'd like to point out Dale Jr. 88, uh, just, you know, the South 88% of the medals. I double check my math on this. I'm not very good at math, but that's incredible. I know it's the summer games. I know there's swimming and track and field and much other stuff you can do outside, but like 88% of the medals from 15 States. That's why we have a podcast about the Olympics in the South. Just saying. <laughs> Would you like me to move from Dale Jr.'s 88 to NASCAR? Great. Go ahead. I'm sure you were waiting for it. Anyways, the people I told you were going to win and be good last week at the road course. Shockingly, we're good at the road course. Guess what happens this week? We get to run it back. There's another road course. So guess who's going to be good this week? The same five to six drivers that can always run the same good road course times. But I'm going to ask the question that everyone has on their mind. What's did that? Chase, did Chase Elliott win? Nope. He got second to Kyle Larson. Andy's boy. <laughs> has anybody ever heard this before on the podcast? No. <laughs> So you had Kyle Larson, Chase, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch. Is anyone surprised? There's three races to the playoffs. The last race is at Daytona. So if you're waiting till the last race, good luck. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, you might try and win. Otherwise, you're going to get effed in the playoffs. Because if you don't have a win, you're going to drop to like 14th or 15th. So good luck. And the way the playoffs work is that there's a they drop four every single time. So um, every single three races, they drop four drivers. So I would not want to start in 15th. Nah, nah, I wouldn't be good. And it's, it's the same since we've all seen you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean. Overall points championship. I'm sure that there's some friends that we have would be able to comment all about how NASCAR immediately pivoted to a bunch of road course races as soon as Chase Elliott won. I ain't going to say they're wrong. Let's just put it that way. To have them back to back to back to back to... It's, it's getting a little ridiculous. Certainly not helping my NASCAR segment on this podcast. Anyways, uh, going into something else that's a lot cooler. The Field of Dreams game is tonight. We're recording on a Thursday night. If you're listening to this, you've probably missed it unless you hopefully watched it. But the one, uh, basically the big deal here is that obviously if you've seen the movie Field of Dreams, they're recording, or sorry, they're playing at the cornfield in Iowa. They're playing right next to it. Um, they didn't want to screw up the field set because it's a it's a thing that people go to all the time in Dyersville, Iowa. It's a town of 4,000 people. They have 8,000 people in the stands tonight. The Yankees are playing the White Sox or the Black Sox, as you may remember from the movie. And the one quote that I took away that I thought was great for this specific podcast was the mayor who pointed out that he told everyone to have their lawn mode. The quote is, everyone has their lawn mode and their flag out, and we fixed all the potholes in town. We're just trying to put our best foot forward. It's showtime, and I think we're ready to go. So as a mayor of a town of 4,000 people, I just, I love that. I was reading articles about how the four hotels in town have been booked up for a long time. Uh, they almost had this last year, and it was canceled due to COVID because they were worried about the amount of people that would come in. So you got Joe Buck, whatever you think of him, announcing the game with John Smoltz. John Smoltz was throwing batting practice earlier today, and he gave up a home run to a 13-year-old into the corn. He told the kid to do the bat flip and run around the bases. He joked that he was going to hit the next kid in the head. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's been really a, a treasure uh, for anyone that loves baseball. I was texting our buddy earlier tonight and he said he was wearing his, uh, he was wearing his field of dreams shirt. So uh, I was proud to hear that. It's a cool moment. That's my weekend. Look ahead. What do you guys have going on? See, I want to point out this mayor's name is James Heavens. Yep. Is that real? That's real. That's incredible. Right. James Evans 
is the <laughs> mayor of the town that's doing the Total Dreams game. That's and the reason cool. why that's great is because of the quote, which is, when he walks through the cornfield, he goes, is this heaven? And he goes, oh. no, it's just Iowa. No, it's not heaven. <laughs> Kevin Costner was announcing the game tonight with, with the guys in the booth. It was, it was a cool experience. So cool. Anything yeah. else for the weekend? Look ahead. No, I'm just, uh, just in the taking, process. I guess, so go ahead. I was, mine's quick. I was just saying I'm in the process of got rid of half my clothes that I have that I never wear Threw away all my, uh, CDs, video games, and old controllers for old game systems that are not classic like Super Nintendo's because no one plays a PS3 anymore. I don't even have one. Just purging my house because I'm moving soon, so this whole situation sucks. Morgan, hopefully yours is a little more positive than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate moving, so I feel for you, buddy. Um, uh, like I just said earlier, and my good, great, and awesome, we're taking the kids to my hometown for uh, their baptism this weekend. They're going to get baptized at the same church I was baptized at. So it's going to be pretty cool. And then uh, Grandma's watching the kids tomorrow night while Crystal and I have a date night. Nice. So that's going to be pretty cool. Good. Dustin, I guess you aren't doing anything this weekend? <laughs> nope. <laughs> the right. thing I do every weekend. <laughs> watching sports and making Emmy watch so she doesn't do dance recitals. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully support this. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right. So moving into the Southern Spotlight, where we highlight a specific Southern business person or thing. Dustin, you're up this week. That's right. Back to me. So this week, we're headed to one of the miserable and reckless guys' favorite towns, Myrtle Beach. Specifically, we're going to Tenfold Biscuits in Myrtle Beach. Uh, Jenny and I ended up here by accident. We were uh, we needed breakfast on our last day uh, in town when we went early in there in the summer. Um, we were cleaning up our family's place. You know, it's a, it's a lot to like get all that done, get packed up. And we were like, we just need something. We had seen this place, thought it might be good. Turns out it was. They have biscuits that ha- you can get biscuits and gravy, biscuits with fried chicken or poured pork. Although they put nasty mustard sauce on it, so that's pretty gross. Um, biscuits with uh, brisket, biscuits with hash browns or shrimp or salmon or tons of other options. It's basically all just a menu full of biscuit options. Um, they also have shrimp and grits, some other stuff like that. But I went with the traditional bacon, egg, and cheese. So good. The biscuit itself had like cheese in it, kind of like a um, what a cheddar bow at Bojangles does, but better. It was it was just the biscuits are as big as your face. It seems like it's like it was so, it it was a whole container full of biscuit. It gave you what felt like uh, an entire. I mean, it wasn't a pound of bacon, but it was so much bacon it felt that way. All the ingredients were were fresh. It was dripping just of like all of the like juices running out. It, it's not good for your health, but it was good. Um, I loved it. Honestly, sincerely mean this when I say this. I think it's one of the better biscuits I've ever had. It's a great little spot. Um, if you, it's a little, it's more yuppie than redneck, but you know, I'm a yuppie, so surprise, surprise. So if you want to go buy a $10 biscuit that's very much worth it, I suggest you go to Tenfold Biscuits in Myrtle Beach. They're right off of 44 North Kings Highway, and you won't regret it. 
It's a little <laughs> expensive, but it's worth every penny. I'm going to have to try that place because that's my idea of breakfast. I'm not as big of a breakfast guy as Dustin is. I don't really dig the whole bacon and eggs, pancakes, all that stuff. I want a biscuit. So that sounds like it's right on my alley. Yeah, ch- check it out. Next time you're in town, you know, anyone on this podcast or America for that matter, it'll be worth it. Um, I, I too love my, I, I just love breakfast in general, as Logan alluded to, but this was a very, very good breakfast. It was an unintentional stop. And it actually was such a good surprise that it just got the Southern spotlight this week. So when we go to the Coastal Carolina game this fall and we all wear our matching jackets, we're going to 10 full biscuits and you're picking it up, right? I don't know about paying for it, but yeah, I'll pick it up for you. If you order ahead. And pay for it ahead. (laughs) Fair enough. There's a, a bow biscuit fee handling fee though. Yeah. <laughs> Shipping and handling. Shipping and handling somehow equal to the cost of the biscuit. <laughs> Plus All mileage. Right. All right. So as someone who just recently came back from the great state of Florida, I can attest this place is crazy. What you got for us this week and everyone's favorite new topic, Florida or the field. <laughs> All right. Because I was feeling extra generous this week. I have to switch it up a little bit. Three different headlines I'm going to give you, and you guys can choose which headline you think you'll do the best at. Man arrested after offering undercover cop a hamburger in exchange for sex act. That's number one. Sounds like Tampa. Man strips. That sounds like a lot of places. (laughs) Jacksonville, North Carolina, too. Man strips performs erotic dance inside Japanese steakhouse. (laughs) Or police report arrest of Captain Dickhead. (laughs) These are real headlines. Oh, pick one. Just pick one. I don't care. I have them all. I have all three of the stories right here sanitized without the stuff in them. J- Japanese steakhouse, erotic dance in a Japanese steakhouse. Let's go. Yeah, you guys, do it. You guys want that one? All right. Man strips performs erotic dance inside Japanese steakhouse. A married couple was enjoying a Sunday evening out at a Japanese steakhouse <laughs> when a tipsy man, age 24, quote, began to undress and dance erotically in front of, end of quote, the female half of the duo, per police report. Dr- distressed, distressed. It was Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> distressed. This is this is the word they chose to use. Not 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 disgusted. Distressed by the man's impromptu striptease, Jamie Carpenter, who was accompanied by her uh, husband Christopher. I noticed he didn't go by Chris. He wanted to in the police report. He is Christopher Carpenter. Advised the man to leave the Kobe Japanese Steakhouse. In response, the man became belligerent. Oh, sorry. Quote became belligerent and began calling her fat. End of quote. <laughs> Threatened to fight her spouse. The man was subsequently arrested for disorderly conduct in an establishment, which is a misdemeanor, and he was freed from the local jail after posting a hundred and fifty dollar bond. Thankfully, a criminal complaint does not further describe the erotic dance he allegedly performed inside this Japanese eatery. For 150 bucks, 
I wouldn't want to go to court, but I, I would do this on a dare, I think, to somebody, especially if they're like in like, like married, just married, or they had the cans on the back of their car. This is something I would have done 10 years ago. I'm ashamed to say that on the internet, but if somebody had been like for 150 bucks, will you go dance in front of them? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would not do that now, sweetie. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> Where do you think? Where do you think this this happened? This could have clearly happened in Wilmington. <laughs> it also definitely could have happened in Florida. He became belligerent and began calling her fat after he danced erotically in front of her. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna stay Florida. I, I I'm I'm committed to the field. I'm 100 committed to the field. After some of the stuff I saw. In Ebor, uh, Ebor City. I'm going to Florida. Logan has the uh, official tour guide now of Ebor City, Florida. You are correct. Morgan, you are as well. This absolutely happened in Florida. This happened in... As a matter of fact, all those three of those headlines, they all happened in Tampa slash Ebor City, Florida. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Trust me. I was there for three and a half days. Um, I thought you were going to say Daytona. I can't say some of the stuff that I saw on the internet. <laughs> the the man offering a hamburger for sex to the undercover officer, Tampa. Yep. <laughs> so, figured I'd give you guys a choice. That way, America just gets more... Uh, I hope my nieces never listen to this. That was a little too raunchy for Florida <laughs> to feel. <laughs> Apologize. <laughs> it sounds like these people, some of these people in these headlines, probably after they got away from their little incidents here, they probably went over to hang out at Castle with all the other crazy people dressed as kitty cats and wearing <laughs> whips and chains. I'm not lying to you. That's what I saw. I was watching it from a balcony and I was like, what in the hell am I looking at? Why were you so close and who knew about it? Well, it was directly across the street. I was sitting on the balcony watching these people walk. I will say three of the guys from our group, one of which was not me, they did go, and I was watching their Snapchat stories from that place. Made a good decision not to go. Fair enough. Logan, Logan I, I needed did. to go to the yuppie side of town. I did. I really did. Because I started asking people, like, where should we go? And they were like, Ebor, this place, that place. I was like, everywhere we've been has been nothing but freaks. And they were like, well, that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's weird here. I was like, look. I looked at this one girl. I was like, look, darling. I was like, this... I've been to Austin, Texas, where their whole tagline is stay weird. I was like, it ain't this weird. I was like, Ebor takes the cake. <laughs> like, legit, I, just to prove a point, I w walked by random people on the street that were dressed crazy, and I said, hey, are you going to Castle later? They said, yes. I went up to the next person. Hey, you going to Castle later? They said, yes. I was like, we're not going to Castle, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can take the yuppie out of, out of Raleigh, but you can't take the... Riley out of yuppie or whatever you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> whatever that saying is yeah it's uh what two country for ebor but not to ebor for the country <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh florida. my and better florida news yeah so well better and worse um and and much cleaner Fair enough. florida florida news uh <clears throat> this week we lost Bobby Bowden, Coach Bobby Bowden, who's best known for coaching the Florida State Seminoles for, I believe, 34 years. Um, 
Coach Bowden, you know, there's three things related to Coach Bowden I just kind of want to put out there, and then y'all can add to, agree, or we can move on um, once it's done. But I, I think he deserves a, a few minutes given our love for sports, but also just how good of a, a man he was. Um, one, you know, obvious, extremely successful football coach. Um, he was a head coach from 1970 to 2009, had 377 wins, second most all time, um, two national championships, 12 ACC championships. He was just all around the height pinnacle of success at what he did. Um, two, uh, his players loved him. Um, they really kind of viewed him as family and felt that he viewed them as family. I mean, from Deion Sanders, Chris Winkie, and everybody in between, they all had very heartfelt, you know, messages and and just gratitude for having known for him and having played for him. And they many of them talked about how he treated them like sons and family and gave them second and third chances when a lot of other people wouldn't. Um think that maybe that's something that isn't as well known or sometimes even when he was coaching, he got a little slack for uh, when people would get in trouble and, you know, he didn't kick them out of the program or something like that. Um, uh, one thing that I do remember from watching the documentary on him was uh, he did Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday night, Wednesday night team dinners where the entire team and then the, uh, the entire coaching staff and the, the coaching staff's entire family all got together. So they basically did a family dinner. Uh, as a group and um, that, you know, he was one of those coaches and, and Dabo's doing something similar, similar at Clemson where coaches didn't leave. His assistants were pretty steady. And um, you imagine that that probably played a little bit of a role in that third and probably most important to coach Bowden was his faith in Jesus. He uh, talked about it all the time. He used his platform for it constantly um it would his son said that he was up at five or five thirty every morning reading his bible um when he when his terminal diagnosis was uh made public and i read this to you you know what was it three weeks ago um when it happened he said i've always tried to serve god's purpose for my life on and off the field and i'm prepared for what's to come my wife Anne and our family have been life's greatest blessing i'm at peace um that was echoed in a lot of other people's comments about him. You know, Mark Rick once again, like reiterated this story of, uh, you know, we, we give old coach big game Rick a little bit of a hard time on this program, but uh, he's an, he was an assistant for coach Bowden for a long time. And he actually became Christian because of coach Bowden in 1986, uh, Florida state's offensive lineman, Pablo Lopez was, was gunned down. And the next day, Coach Bowden gathered the team together and uh, proceeded to give the, <laughs> the entire team and all the coaches what he called a Sunday school lesson. And uh, as a result of that, you know, Coach uh, Rick was moved by it. And the next day, went to see Coach Bowden, kind of got into it more with him and eventually turned his life over to, to God as a result. Mm. Um, if you Google it, it's an easy story to find. You should see what Coach Rick had to say in his own words about it. Um, Tommy Bowden, his son, actually said that the reason he coached so long, this is to quote from his son, is he wanted to coach as long as he could to advance the kingdom of God. He's 91, and he's going down, taking as many people as he can to heaven with him. So, you know, there, I believe that's probably the, you know, I obviously do not know 
Coach Bowden or had any interaction with him in my life. But from what I know of the man, I think that last piece, third piece is the piece that he probably is most proud of and wants his legacy to be. But I think they're all kind of interwoven and his legacy will continue through that, through his, his teammates, and then through his impact on the game of college football. So, Coach Bowden, you know, rest in peace. And then, you know, our thoughts prayers with his family as they move forward without him. But it seems that they all, you know, know they'll see him again one day. And um, it's a, you know, at least that part, it makes the transition a bit easier. Any, uh, anybody else want to share any thoughts on, on Coach before yeah, we move so, on to the next thing? Yeah, I thought one thing I've read interesting about him was how um, he went and was going to play for Alabama football and uh, gave it all up because they wouldn't uh, – as a freshman, he wanted to marry his wife, and they said uh, he couldn't uh, – was it – so he, he gave up football just so he could marry his wife. Yep. And they were married for, I think, 60-something years um, once it's, it was all um, – just as we come, I think that told me what kind of person he was. Yep. And he, um, and you know, he, I think I brought this up this week, just on the football front. He had, you know, he coached West Virginia as a head coach. Then he got the Florida State job and he mm-hmm. took the Florida State job because he was like, well, Florida's a good state to recruit and I can build a big time program there. Um, but he always kind of had in the back of his mind that, you know, he was like, Alabama, if I can get that job, I'm, I'm going to take it. And so they called and he went down there to sit down and talk to him about the job. And when he got there, he found out it was an interview, not a discussion of terms. <laughs> and at that point he had proven himself. He wasn't some, you know, up and coming coach. And he was a bit insulted by it. So he basically was like, if this isn't a discussion of terms that I'm out and he went back to Florida state. So I, uh, it's interesting the roads twists and turns and the things, uh, you know, he could have been, another in a long line of Alabama coaches, but he ended up being Florida State's greatest coach ever. Yeah. He was great all except for 1999. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Morgan. I have that, notes on that, that if you want, Morgan. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> That's my one Virginia, lasting memory. Virginia, Virginia Tech's lone championship appearance. <laughs> <laughs> that was the very first uh, – BCS game too. It was. Yep. My uncle. Who what, I sp- what, be- what better game than to have Frank Beamer versus, you know, Bobby Bowden? I mean, two two of the most respectful coaches in college football. But yeah. yeah, two of the greats. Oh yeah, both of them are. They're both. I don't. I don't think there's anybody who's going to say anything bad about either of them. If they do, we're not going to listen to them. No, of course not. Yeah, it's um, he, he's definitely a respectable coach. Yeah, it sounds like he was a great coach and an even better human being. And you don't always run across that in, in society or even in the world of sports. So, rest in peace to Coach Bowden. Yeah. So, um, the. It's interesting you bring that up, Morgan. I won't belate, you know, or 
go overboard with the point, but I'll point out that it was Bowden's only undefeated season. I was looking up some stuff earlier today and I saw that. Um, that's definitely a, a weird touch point for me, even though I'm not a, te- a tech fan, because I can remember that my uncle, who I was actually hanging out with last weekend, they drove down to the game and they were like super excited, obviously as huge Hokie fans. So um, um, they were really into it. And I remember really pulling for him and cheering for Mike Vick and kind of an odd way just because it was someone that I knew that was at the game. And I, uh, I obviously remember the straw hat and all the other kind of stuff that, you know, I guess there'll probably be a statue at the stadium or something, but um, I'm happy that you took the notes and you said what you said, Dustin, because I was struggling a little bit earlier this week with what to put together and I don't need to belabor the point. I think you said it well. Um, It's always difficult for me with someone like a Tebow, or a Bobby Bowden or somebody like that when they get the statue and the, it just seems like they were living for a little bit more than, you know, the gridiron or fill in the blank, whatever it is, living a little bit more for being a cook or being a truck driver or whatever it may be that they were being. So, um, the one point that I will make is you never know what the decisions that you make during the day can have an effect on other people. And imagine if he hadn't had that Sunday school lesson or, you don't want to wake up and just what if, what if, what if your whole day away. But um, if you make the right decisions, they have a way of coming back to you and, and and they have a way of spreading your legacy. And I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Good on you, Coach Bowden. All right. <clears throat> so moving into the next topic. Uh, last week we talked about rest stops, but we wanted to really zero in on one very specific Southern delicacy often found near the South's highways and byways. So for this topic, I'm going to throw it over to my, my elder brother over here to introduce this week's <laughs> topic. Age yeah, making, you, as they say. Making, making the point on, uh, on the older brother part. I, I hear you. You don't want me to tell the barbecue story from up here in Arlington with the waitress. Oh yeah. I was like maybe 20 when that happened. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe an 18 or 19. Yeah. There was a mix up in who was the older brother. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, we talk about, we try not to be all sports here. We we do some intersection of Southern life, food and culture. Um, so this week we have something that covers all three. I'll introduce you to the topic by quoting from our state magazine, which focuses in on our beloved state in North Carolina. Red is the color is the color of peak summer, the wardrobe of sass and flash. Red is speed, the stripes splash across Richard Petty's classic 1973 Dodge Charger. Red is love, the roses presented to a blushing crush in the form of an evening gown or a traffic signal. Red commands attention. Red wants to possess and consume, or in the case of a famously red hot dog, it wants to be consumed. That's right, folks. We're talking about red hot dogs this week. So red hot dogs, as Logan said, are a North Carolina delicacy. And they've been made at the Carolina Packers meat packing plant, Smithfield, North Carolina, which is just off 95, about 45 minutes south of Logan and I's hometown since 1941. Um, it's something that I uh I just thought was normal until I moved out of the area and then realized that red hot dogs weren't necessarily everywhere or people didn't eat them all the time. Um and to kind of reinforce that, I do have one more quote from the R State Magazine article about red hot dogs. It said, hot dog fans throughout the region swear by bright leaves with a vigor that's akin to the way many North Carolinians pledge allegiance to their college basketball teams. 
Franks are associated with everything from church revivals to first dates. Eating red hot dogs goes so far back. I don't even remember not eating them. Says Jeff Holt, 57-year-old mayor of Pine Level, just 10 minutes east of, Smith, east of Smithfield. It's a source of pride and identity. We're nursed on them. So it's just part of the culture, especially in our little part of the state. It's part of the culture. I always remember having them. I just thought that's what hot dogs were. Red hot dogs was, was what hot dogs were. And uh, come to find out, that's not what most of the world eats. But yet, North Carolina delicacy. Uh, Logan, you and I grew up in the same household, so I know you remember Red Hot Dogs. But oh, yeah. kind of want to throw it around and see what if y'all had any memories from it, or or were there any moments where you're like mine, where you're like, wait a minute, rest yeah. of America doesn't have these. Well, <laughs> it's funny because we almost primarily that when when I was little would eat Jesse Jones hot dogs. Yep. And then I remember one day, Dustin, when I was after you had already moved out, mom suddenly decided they were too salty. And like they had changed, <laughs> they the, yeah, it changed the ingredients. <laughs> so we, we didn't get Jesse Jones hot dogs anymore. We went to Valleydale. So nowadays it's, it's Valleydale whenever we get hot dogs. But either way, red hot dogs were a staple. You know, uh, like Dustin said, it didn't matter what it was, whether it was you get it at a concession stand at a sports game, church events, or just having a cookout with your family. Um, red hot dogs were always there. I remember one time in the grocery store when I was little seeing the ballpark Franks. Um, <laughs> and I said, mom, why aren't we eating these? She was like, Oh, those, those are not red hot dogs. We're not eating those. They ain't as good. So it was like, <laughs> that's what we were raised on. When I got older, little did I know actually like, you know, beef hot dogs, but still there's something comforting about a red hot dog. Cause it just reminds me of growing up in North Carolina. Morgan, I know you had a little bit of history with them too, right? In the other Halifax County in Virginia? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't actually remember the first time I had one, but uh, actually I've always liked them a lot more than, than the other hot dogs. Yeah. I'm definitely fine with the racetrack with getting those or uh, your fried bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, people claim, and I, I don't disputed that red hot dogs are taste better so i'm not one to dispute that um i do remember distinctly excuse me i do remember distinctly one time when uh my wife was not my wife and i was and we were talking about hot dogs and i had to introduce her to red hot dogs she also thinks jesse jones hot dogs are pretty salty which fair enough they are but uh it was it was a little bit of a cultural lesson for her. Um, I think she's learned a lot about North Carolina. She never would have thought she would when she got it hooked up with me. Angle, do you have any? Uh, I know, like you living in North Carolina, you probably did. But do you have any memories for at hot dogs from over the years? Besides seeing them at the Scotchman, I I have to come <laughs> on this podcast and be the Yankee carpetbagger Maryland person that I am, and say that even though I lived in Wrightsville Beach in Wilmington for nine years. Saw them at Scotchman all the time. Saw them at the grocery store. Saw them at the Teeter, the Lowe's. Lowe's Foods is a thing down in the South. And uh, I I always wondered why they were packaged different from the like the ballpark Franks or whatever. I learned for the first time in that article that you sent out that apparently they they just, they think it, it keeps the juices in better if they're not all packaged up together. Right. But, uh, I've never had one of these, but this is, I, I, I was texting you guys earlier about this. I guess the Triangle Beach Music Festival 
that I'm going to go to. I'm going to have an extra spicy red hot, uh, bright leaf hot dog. I'm going to have to do all these things that I, I didn't either know about or wasn't privy to. Um, apparently they have these extra spicy ones and that, that sounds like it's right up my alley. So, uh, yeah. they were described as tangy and sweet. I don't know. I also appreciate, so, I was gonna say, I also appreciate the fact that the guy that runs the factory is a 37 year old and he's like in his dad's grandfather's business. If you get the way I'm saying that, like they've been running mm-hmm. the same factory since the fifties. First of all, anybody that's in their dad's business, I'm, I'm mostly into, or at least think it's fascinating that they're doing it. So that immediately caught my attention at the beginning of the, uh, of the article too. So, but no, I, I, I'm, I remember them being ever present, just like Robert's chicken salad or deviled eggs that were kind of weird down South compared to what I was used to. But at the same time, no, I never tried them. I never, uh, cracklins, the whole thing. I just, I just was, I just never, never went after it. I guess, I guess I never had to. Well, you'll find out. <laughs> as, as they say, you'll find out. Um, if you don't have it before guys weekend, we'll definitely get a pack up there and cook them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they'd be in like Richardson or something, right? Of course. So be I don't want to give too much away, but they'll definitely or, be in a food line. Bring them up. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'll smuggle them in. There you go. <laughs> Cross state lines. lines. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. No, regular smoking in the bandit area. <laughs> um, so I I don't want to uh, don't want to draw it out too much, but Bright Leaf actually sells bacon, barbecue, bologna, and other stuff as well. But to you brought up the Red Hots. Yeah. Red Hots are something that was in our house all the time. And what we would do is, <clears throat> Mom would take them, cut them down the middle, just put them in the pan, and she'd basically like fry them up in the pan till they got. Because anytime you got a hot dog or something like that, you want to be a little bit black. So. Mm-hmm put it in the pan you get it a little bit black and we would have them with breakfast it would be one of the sides we'd have at breakfast it'd be like we'd have uh bread eggs and red hots with that breakfast. sounds wonderful yeah wonderful so if you wonder why we had to change our eating habits once we got grown that's how we ate growing up we also had hardy's biscuits every saturday morning but that's <laughs> another story for another day yeah, it's so see, one if, thing you you definitely need to either put them in the pan or grill them. Don't boil them. I don't. I don't think I would boil them if I had them. Although maybe I wouldn't know how they were prepared before I had it. But I've what I was going to say is, I've had them boiled. Ahead. I've had them boiled uh, before. They're not. They're not bad. Boiled. They're not the best boiled, but you can still enjoy them. Still better than the beef hot dog, right, Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> You guys had Hell, your raw is better than the beef. <laughs> you guys had your eating habits backwards. You should have grown up with good eating habits. So then, once you were hungover, when you came home <laughs> on like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and stuff like that, and you're going out, then that sounds like a wonderful breakfast that your mom could have cooked up for you, right? Some toast or whatever you said, eggs, and and yeah, there you go. Yep. That sounds yep. wonderful. That sounds like a that sounds like a guy's weekend staple. Sunday yeah. breakfast right there. It could be. It should be. With a stop We're at getting... the double at the wash your hands burger place on the way home. Don't worry, you won't have to stop 17 times on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Morgan. Well, for officially for guys weekend this year, red hots and red hot dogs. You're bringing them. And you know what? We'll even eat them while we're recording live. 
Ooh. There you go. That can it, eat one bite. Everybody knows the rules. Angles first Taste time test. a red, a red uh, hot dog will be on miserable and reckless. I like it. Oh, uh, yeah. I like that. It's a good idea. It's a good way to put a little bow in this and bring it back. Do you, because it's your segment, do you want to read about the, the church? Do you want to bring that up? Should we not bring it up? I think it's a cool thing. I don't even remember that part, if I'm being honest. Oh, it's in my notes. All right. So anyways, I went looking for these because I didn't know a whole lot about it. Apparently, there's a church. It's called the Hot Dog Church. This is a real thing. It's in Greensboro. It's called Caraway United Methodist Church. All right. For a buck 25, you get one of these red hot dog, or sorry, bright leaf dogs, chips, drinks. They have desserts available. And if you want chili on top of the dog, it's extra. There's a person named CL Neighbors. They're 78. They've been making the chili for a long time. The secret spices have been passed down to them by another church member who has, who has passed away at this point in time. And uh, they make 80 pounds of chili per week. And they sell, they've sold up to 2,300 bright leaves in one, or hot dogs in one Sunday. And the whole point of this is that they sell hot dogs every week at this church to raise money for like their social programs or to you know, do stuff when in the church community or whatever. And literally it's referred to as the hot dog church. If you look up Caraway United Methodist church that literally in Greensboro, literally what they do is every weekend they have bright leaf hot dog luncheons. And, and if you want chili on your hot dog, you can grab that too. And I think it's phenomenal. Like that's the kind of stuff that like I live for and I get excited about. And like, I want to bring on this podcast as opposed to just like North Carolina beat you know, Virginia field hockey. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that the hot dog church is definitely uh, pretty legit. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, as we always like to say, we try to bring a little bit of positivity here and there once every five episodes when we find the time. (laughs) And it looks like this week, this is the week that we found the time folks. Oh my God. Bringing it, bringing it back, an old segment that we haven't done in you know quite a quite some time. Bless your heart. All right, so for our first bless your heart since Easter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, be careful! I think it's, I think I see Captain Cancel around the corner. You might want, you might want to get started before he before he comes. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Well, I'm thankful that you canceled our minor league segment. Notice we didn't do that this week, America. So, uh, <laughs> all right. For the bless your heart, we've been sitting on this for a minute. This is a charity close and near and dear to my heart. And that's all I'll say about it. It's a charity called charity water. Some of you may have heard of it. They're relatively well known at this point in time. Um, basically what they do is they build wells in uh, third world countries. Why is this important? You may ask, uh, there's a lot of diseases that can be fixed by waterborne, let me rephrase that. There's a lot of waterborne illnesses that can be fixed by having fresh water. In order to have fresh water, people have to go to long distances usually to get that fresh water. Um, this takes away time from them doing other things. Think about it like you might think about it as a commute, right? Well, if you got to go eight hours to get fresh water, kind of ruins the rest of your day. Um, on top of that, the amount of time that you uh, are sorry, the resources that you have that you've collected would then only be able to be used uh, sparingly up until you would have to go back the next day. 
uh, think about other problems that could potentially befall you in a third world country, animals, robbers, et cetera, things that we don't think about here in America and maybe the first world where you have access to a podcast to listen to, you get the point. So why am I bringing this up? Well, kids are doing great things to raise money to help put whales into third world countries. Uh, here's the thing. We're miserable and reckless, but uh, these kids, these kids are really showing us up. I'll be honest. Pretty much, I can guarantee you, anyone that's listening to this podcast, they're showing you up too. Here's, I picked two. Picked one from Maryland. Sorry, Morgan, there wasn't one from Virginia. And I picked one from North Carolina. But So you're living in North Carolina and the DeBerrys are from North Carolina. So just so happened to work out. So here's a guy, Nathaniel. We'll do Maryland first. We'll work from north to south. Um, his first campaign was in 2012. He raises uh, money on his birthday. So basically, he goes out to people for his birthday and he says, as opposed to giving me gifts, um, can, you raise, can you help me raise money? So his first campaign started back in 2012. That's nine years ago, people. Nine years ago that he's been doing this. Um, he went to a soccer club. He used a school graduation as opposed to people like aunts and uncles or whatever, giving him money for, for his college or wherever. He's hosted 10 campaigns. All right. Here's why. This is an exact quote from Nathaniel. In fourth grade, fourth grade, fourth grade, a teacher talked about World Water Day and another teacher talked about wants versus needs. So when it came to giving, giving up birthday gifts, sure, every eight-year-old wants the new Nerf gun or the new action figure, but it's not about wants for people without water, you need water. I took those lessons to heart and I decided that I could give up my wants if it helps somebody else get what they actually need. Fucking bravo, Nathaniel. 10 years of giving up what you want so somebody else somewhere on the other side of the world that you don't know gets something that they need. Hell yes. Especially in America, in a country that's so consumed with consumerism and wants and everything else. And bravo for the future of our of our, of our country for somebody like that. Here's Noah spelled N O A. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. She's from North Carolina. Uh, her first campaign was in 2017. Uh, she was determined to fund an entire water project by herself. An entire water project for people that don't know is, can be anywhere from a thousand dollars to $10,000. Okay. I don't know how old she is, but I'm looking at the picture of this girl on the internet and she can't be more than 10. She's 10 years old and she wants to donate between $1,000 and $10,000. I'll tell you what, when I was 10, I didn't have $1,000 in allowance. I can tell you that much. And I can guarantee you, I wouldn't have given all of it to kids over in Africa. All right. I can just, or, or they work in other countries or sorry, other continents too. Again, charitywater.org. You can look them up. Noah created her own public service announcement to inspire donations that went out on the radio and on TV. Her jerry can, jerry cans are what they carry the water in overseas to get water back to their villages and to their families. Her jerry can journey funded clean water for more than 250 people. 250 people that don't have to walk day to day to go get water. That means they can go to school. That means they can sew clothes that they can sell in the marketplace. That means that they can work in their vegetable garden and raise food for their families. That means that they can just, I don't know, be around their freaking family and kids if they wanted to. And it certainly means that 250 people weren't going out and getting mauled by Jaguars or raped or anything else that could happen to people overseas. Here's why she said this, that she wanted to do this. If someone said that kids are too young to make a difference, 
I would go get my siblings and tell them, watch this. We'll prove you wrong. Even though, even though we're, we are small, we can do a lot. Good on you guys. A kid from North Carolina and a kid from Maryland. And they're just, and, and, and there was in, in the email I got with these, there was 30 kids in there. And I'm just picking the ones from the South because they were, would have all been just as inspiring. Charitywater.org. I'm not telling you to go donate. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you that, man, like when people tell you that like the future isn't bright, sure, there's a lot of stuff that's wrong with this world. But man, I'll tell you what, if you want to look to, to find out where we can solve a lot of our problems, <laughs> go talk to a kid, man. <laughs> Seriously, go talk to a kid. So good on you, charitywater.org. Good on you kids for doing this. And so I'll get off my soapbox now, but it's very important and near and dear to my heart. And uh, I wanted to, I wanted to say, bless your heart to these two kids. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. When I was 10, yeah. I definitely was uh, more concerned with watching Duke win the, in the final four than <laughs> other people. So it's incredible. pretty important too, but uh, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. Those are two amazing kids. Hopefully they keep that same character as they get older. Agree. Yep. All right. Well, for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with Ryan, Morgan, and Dustin, and we will see you next week.